morning. It is, uh, it's great to have you all here and uh, great to have all of you that are uh, joining us online. So uh, as Miles was saying, we uh, were starting this new series about uh, faith and grit. And of course, uh, part of what we want to talk about in this is um, the fact that we face difficulty. That, like that's, that's just in, in Let's just acknowledge, I'll acknowledge what we already all know, right? That we're all going to face it, right? Even if you're like at a lull right now and you're just like, life is good. That's wonderful. Enjoy it, right? Because we're all going to face difficulty. It's just kind of this unavoidable thing uh, in life. And so when we talk about uh, this idea of growing our faith and what it means to build grit, when we, when we talk about grit, I, I, I'm just for this morning. Think about it. Think about grit is that quality of, of having resiliency when you face difficult things, right? Because we're all going to face difficult things, but what can happen so often is you face something difficult and, and it knocks you for a loop that it causes you to struggle to be ready to face that next challenge, right? Some of you right now, I'm sure, have uh, things that you're facing. Uh, maybe it's on the financial front. Maybe it's with your health. Maybe it's relational. Maybe, who knows? But it's like, man, I, there's something daunting in front of me. And, and resiliency is that ability uh, to come back from something and then be ready to face that next challenge. And we all face that. Um, I recall a moment... <clears throat> early in ministry uh, when uh, I was a part of starting a brand new church in Michigan and I was so excited about it and we took off and it was going well and and you know we had all of the problems that were like the good problems right you know the things you're just like oh gosh this is hard but you're like but I'm, I'm excited about it though and you tackle all those things and I remember going through this really nice stretch and everything just like it was exciting and I was so new in ministry and then all of a sudden we turned a corner and then we we faced like the, the, the problems you don't want to face, right? The, it just, there were things, it just got so hard. And there was a, there was a dauntingness to the leadership challenge of it that I remember just thinking, I, this is not what I ever expect. I mean, I thought I was like, okay, yeah, I know it's going to get hard someday, but like, this is throwing me like this. I never pictured this. And, uh, the senior pastor that I had grew up under was Roger Barrier, uh, who actually was the senior pastor before me here. And like, I knew him so well. And I remember one night calling him up and, and just like walking him through this. And, and there was something, there's something so good about talking with him. But I realized in talking with him that part of my struggle was like, I like, I don't know if I should, like, am I the right person? Am I up for the challenge? Like, and I, and it just, it's like, that was something I had not experienced before. And that can be something that throws you. But those are the moments that we're all going to have, aren't we? We're going to have them in one way or another. There'll be a moment where you just go, I, I don't know if I'm up for this. Do I have what it takes? Do I, do I want to, do I? And that, friends, that is where grit is so important. That's where faith is so vital to what it is to be a follower of Christ. And so I, I want us, 
my hope is uh, for this series and even for this morning is that we'll go through this and there, there'll be things that we'll go through that will give you tangible ways to actually cultivate a kind of faith that really is filled with grit. And, and that is a kind of faith that will pull you through in moments that are difficult. But there's this beautiful thing about that, that, that grit when it pulls you through, it, that's where you experience on the other side of things, joy and beauty and growth and all of these things. And so as we go through this, I hope it gives you hope for the difficulties that you face uh, in all of this. Um, and for this morning, I, I wanna begin with uh, looking at something that I think is kind of foundational for helping us cultivate a stronger, healthier kind of faith. And to get at it, I, I, I wanna look at something that actually undermines uh, this a little bit. And it's, it's our lens for how we look at God. Uh, the, the, the lens that we have, because we all have a lens for how we, how we view God, how we view life that kind of shapes how we see it and the decisions that we make. That lens can either undermine a really strong faith or it can help cultivate a very gritty kind of faith. And so I wanna talk about that lens here a little bit. And in particular, there, there is a, a lens that I see that we as Christians, probably in our culture and probably for millennia past, have struggled with. And I'm gonna just call it, it's like a fishbowl kind of, of lens that we have about God. And, and I got to experience this in a kind of a unique uh, metaphorical way that I wanna share with you to kind of get at what I mean by this. Uh, so one time our family was at uh, Scripps Aquarium. Have y'all ever been, like how many have been to like a really nice aquarium? Uh, so yeah, okay. So you know what I'm talking about. And we, uh, so we go to this aquarium and it was beautiful and and I was shocked at like how big the actual aquarium was. And there were different levels where you could look at it and stuff. And at one point, um, I went down to look at one of the lowest levels where you could see in like near the bottom. And so I went down these stairs and they've got this spot and it was a smaller room. And I was sitting in there and I was just marveling at it. And the room I was in was kind of a smaller room and it was, and it was kind of dark so that you could really see in there and you could see the sunlight coming out. And I'm sitting there and all the different fish coming by. And then I got this like weird sensation, right? This, this, and it just kind of hit me as I'm watching these fish kind of come up and leave and do whatever. And I'm just staying there, right? And I'm looking around and I'm kind of in this small room and there's this vast aquarium. And I was like, it's kind of funny, you know, the sharks kind of came by and looked at me like, you know, um, you know, the, the tuna went by and they're just like, who cares about that guy? Just, you know, and there were, I don't know what they were. They're like some sea otters or something. They came by and they hung out a little bit, but I could tell they were kind of like, boy, he looks really slow. I don't think he would make it in here very long at all. <laughs> That's just right. And then they swim off. And I was like, who, who's really watching who here? I, all of a sudden I was just like, I'm feeling more like I'm an aquarium right now and all of the sea life is coming up to, you know, check me out right now. And all of a sudden it's just like, I, like I, I'm in the aquarium. I'm like, this is like, what? And, and in that moment, it's just this kind of reversal thing and it, like, and it hit me. And the reason I bring this up is because I think sometimes we can have a spiritual lens about God in life that sometimes it's like we're the ones in the aquarium and it's like, you know, 
Sometimes God is way off there and he's just kind of watching us, kind of checking us out, see what's happening on. Maybe other people are doing something. And we're living our life and it's being looked at and analyzed from others or from God on the outside. I can't tell you how many times, and think about this, that maybe you've thought this way or you've heard someone talk about this. And it's like, oh yeah, well, you know, God's always watching you. Kind of like you're in a fishbowl, right? No matter what you do, like God's always watching you, always watching you. And, and there's a part of it where we look at and go, well, that just seems like a theological truth. And of course, there's like a theological truth there that God is, you know, omniscient and omnipresent and like all of these other, you know, omni things. And it's just like, sure. But do you catch the mindset of when I start thinking about like, I'm in this space in this fishbowl, always being watched because God's out there somewhere. See, that's a mindset that begins to affect how you see things and understand things. And what I want to say is that view, that lens, actually has a way of eroding away the strength of our faith at times. Because it sets us up in a couple of ways. Well, not just being watched all the time, um, but uh, it sets us up to feel judged and analyzed all the time, if you're being watched all the time. It subtly invites us uh, for a kind of self-judgment at times that maybe is really unhealthy. And aside from that, even if you don't feel like God is, you know, way off just, you know, casually always, you know, viewing or judging you, it sets you up to feel isolated and alone a little bit. Like I think back at that aquarium that there's just that moment. I was just down there by myself watching all and it's just kind of like, well, it's just me. And all of a sudden that mindset sets you up when you face a difficulty of like, okay, I'm gonna be analyzed on this. I bet God's gonna be going now. Okay, let's see. Let, let's see how good you are now, right? But also, but it's me by myself. Like I, I'm alone in this endeavor of navigating this difficulty and I'm gonna be kind of graded on it. And I think that view subtly slips in there. And when it does, it makes you want to shrink back. It makes you not want to take a risk to trust God in this next endeavor. It makes you a little bit more afraid of things. And, and that, and I don't want that for you. And I don't want that for me or us in this. Um, and to kind of get at how we can shift that, I want to look at a character in scripture. I want to look at Moses um, because I think Moses actually at one point, uh, I think we see a little bit of this fishbowl mentality or fishbowl lens of things that he kind of operated out of. And yet we're going to see it shift in a way uh, that I think we can follow and would do good things for us. So I want you to think about Moses uh, for a little uh, bit in this. Um, you know, uh, remember Moses was born Hebrew uh, at a time when the Hebrews uh, were slaves to the Egyptians. And the Pharaoh at this time was terrified that the Hebrews were becoming too numerous. And so he was wanting to kill off all of the, all of the newborn male uh, Hebrews to kind of keep the male population down. And of course, Moses is rescued and he grows up because he's rescued by the Pharaoh's daughter. He grows up in the court of the Pharaoh of Egypt. And at first we're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And you know what? There is a part of it that is truly amazing. But just imagine for a moment if you're Moses 
And you grow up in a world, right, where you're the only Hebrew there and everybody knows it. Ever think there'd be moments where you'd feel like, okay, I've got to measure up because I, you know, like I'm being watched right now, right? Every meal he sat at, every meeting he went to as he got older, every class that he went to, every time he would hang out, you know, with other guys or play sports or do whatever, like he was always, always in that fishbowl. And I think he probably knew it, right? Um, And on top of that, this whole thing going on with the Hebrews and the slavery, we know that there was a part of Moses that was like, he did not like that. Like he, he understood like this is, there's something evil or bad about this. And he's identifying with his own people in this and wants to do something about it. And you see this get ingrained even deeper at this one moment that I want to look at uh, early on in kind of his young adulthood. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Exodus chapter two, Exodus chapter two. Uh, and I, I want to just, Uh, briefly look uh, at this. Um, So uh, he is out and he sees some abuse uh, occurring. And this is what unfolds. This is Exodus chapter two, verse, uh, starting with verse 11. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, looking this way and, and that and seeing no one. He killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand, right? So there's just this moment where, and we don't know, like maybe it was a moment of rage. Maybe it was a moment of impulse. Maybe whatever it was, it's just like, there's something wrong here. And, and, and right or wrong, he's gonna step in and do something about it. Try and, and like, it just, like, you just feel like this, he's and probably young and filled with, you know, like, like I'm, gonna just, I'm gonna take this on. I'm gonna tackle this. Um, but it doesn't go well. Look at verse 13. It says, the next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? Because it's just like, like he's for the Hebrews. He wants to see them move to a better place. And now there's two Hebrews fighting. It's like, why, why are you doing this? And look at what happens. Verse 14, the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? That had to sting. Ah, man, I, that had, I think that probably threw Moses. Um, and I think that for a couple reasons. One, because this is his people, right? He, the, the text even, like he didn't, this is like, and yet they're pushing him away. It's like, I, he, I don't think he expected one of his own people to like push him away and treat him uh, this way. And even if trying to do something here to help, no matter what the means is, it doesn't work out. He like, he fails at this moment. And that, they're like, there had to be something really defeating about that. And, and you can just see where all of a sudden this, this one instance where he kills this Egyptian and then it's followed up the very next day by what happens with these two Hebrews, snowballs into this thing that just like pulls him deep into that fishbowl. And like now, like he, he's not up for any new challenges. And we know this because like he runs. Pharaoh finds out about this. Um, he goes on the run. And the place he goes on the run to is a place called Midian. 
Uh, and if you know anything about Midian, Midian is out in the middle of nowhere, right? Midian is not the place you go to advance your career, right? That, this, is not, this is not career advancement time. This is not, this is, I just want to get away and hide. Because all of a sudden something has happened. And when I sit back, and especially if you feel like you're in that fishbowl, it's like, I'm not up for this next challenge. That, like, I, you feel thrown. Ever step out and try and help somebody? Maybe there's a situation with two friends or something in your family and you try, you, you step in and you try to be the help and all of a sudden, somewhere through the whole thing, they turn and they're angry or bitter with you and you're like, wait a minute, what happened? All I did was try to step in and help and all of a sudden, you're the one they're angry with and you're just like, I, I'm, I'm not, like, it doesn't make you real excited about stepping in and helping someplace else in something, does it? Because it throws you a little bit. Or maybe you worked really hard on, on some project at work or there was, you know, there was something that you were trying to advance and it didn't go well, Right? And the company went a different direction or you made a mistake on something and like you tried, but it's like, and you're just like, oh, and all of a sudden you find yourself walking into the office, showing up to a job site and you just, you feel like this tall. I bet the last thing you want to do is be the one that like speaks up and like, I'm ready to take on the next challenge. You're just like, I just would like to go through this day, this week, this month and not even be noticed. Ever feel that way? Because it's just like, like the grit isn't there. But part of it, part of it comes from this thing that if you're going through life and you're always in the fishbowl by yourself, just kind of being analyzed, it sets you up for those moments where, where there's not strength to your faith because you're alone. And I think Moses was going through this. You see it work out where he, he runs to the desert. He stays there. Um, he ends up getting married, uh, settles in. He's ready to spend the rest of his life there. But that's not where God wants him. And you know what? I promise you this. If you're at that place where you're just feeling like, I'd like to just hide for a while. Like I'm not the guy to, or the gal to advance something for God's cause in this area or in my family or whatever. I want you to maybe reconsider that maybe God still has beautiful and wonderful things in front of you and challenges that he wants to do in your life, right? And what happens that I think is really cool in this story with Moses, even though Moses like runs off and hides, like God's like, nah, I'm gonna find you. Like God knows where Midian is, like, you know, and comes and finds him. And, and we pick up the story here decades and decades uh, later. And I want you to see what happens is there's this shift that will begin to change Moses's lens about God and about life uh, in this. So uh, God shows uh, up where uh, Moses is in Midian 
And it becomes one of the more famous stories that we know about Moses. This is the story of Moses in the burning bush. So if you have your Bibles, flip over one more chapter um, to chapter three, Exodus chapter three. And I want us to look at this. So uh, God shows up here. Look at verse two. Uh, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through the bush, that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. And I love how this story unfolds. There's, there's there just um, verse three. So Moses thought, I'll go over there and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. Maybe he'll make some really good firewood. I don't know. I don't know what's going through his mind. You know? um, uh, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush. Moses. Oh, Moses, right? This is going and Moses said, here I am, Mr. Bush, I, you know, George, I don't know, just, <laughs> sorry. That's as political as we will get around here. Just so if you're new, be at peace. <laughs> Although my jokes aren't always the best. Sorry, I'm just... <clears throat> And I should stick to my notes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let me find my spot. Okay. Here I am, he says, right? <clears throat> now, um, and what follows is now God says, okay, Moses, I, like, I, know, I know you've been hiding out here, but here's what you, here's what you need to know. I want to do something really special back in Egypt. And I know that you, like you wanted to do something. I know you attempted to do something and I know it went wrong and it went bad and it wasn't the best decision and all that stuff. But you know what? I, like your heart to deliver, you know, and you know, one of your Hebrew brothers, like I want to deliver all of them. I want to set them all free. I've got big plans. You know, that race, you know, the, you, you know you're wanting to, to, you know, go down this thing and do all of these wonderful things and you've given up on that. But here's the thing. I'm going to help you finish this thing. I'm going to, I'm going to use you and you're going to go back to Egypt. You're going to work with Pharaoh because you understand Pharaoh's court. Like you understand that thing. I'm going to use you and we're going to set all the people free. Like this is going to be a great thing. But think about Moses in this moment. Like he's been hiding out for all of this time. He's got this lens of just like, why would I ever do, why would I ever go front and center, right? Why would I take front and center stage only to maybe fail again? I just, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be judged again. I like, he's not wanting to go through any of that. It's interesting how he responds. Drop down to verse 11 and you just see, you see his heart in this. Uh, But Moses said to God, And this is so telling. Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Like, I'm the guy that blew it the first time. Like, you were watching, right? Who am I? I, like, I'm supposed to go in and have a conversation with Pharaoh, right? You want me? I'm the guy that's going to go in and convince him? I, I don't want that conversation. 
And then on top of that, there's got to be another conversation, I suppose, with some of the Hebrews to tell them about what we're doing so that they can make plans. And I bet they're going to be really excited about me talking to the Pharaoh about setting them free. Because if Pharaoh doesn't like it, who's he going to take that out on? The Hebrews. And you want me to, you know, walk this out? This sounds like a bad idea. Furthermore, God, let's just think this all the way through, right? Let's say we break out of Egypt. Then what? Right? I, you know, you want me to be the guy to teach two million people how to go camping for a year? Oh, yeah. And you just see God going, well, actually, it's going to be like 40 years, Moses. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And then on top of it, think about this. For hundreds of years, the Hebrews, because they've been in slavery, right? The only thing they've done is make bricks, right? They've, they've not done like all of the things to create society and community, like they've not, this is all going to be new for them. Picture Moses saying, oh yeah, so, so you want me to be the leader of this and I'm going to teach them what? Like how to self-govern and how to do politics? Oh yeah, the, oh, that'll be smooth. I'm, that'll be a cakewalk, right? And you just see Moses just going, I, like, I, I'm not up for this. I, I'm not your man on this. But it's because like he's, like he's got this fishbowl view. It's this thing of like, I, he hates being in that fishbowl just like all of us would. Just like all of us would. But what I love is the story as God does again and again and again through scripture is he turns the story, he turns the direction, he does something that reshapes us, changes us in some way. And what he's gonna do is change this understanding and this view that Moses has. And I love how he, how he walks through this thing. And I wanna just look uh, at his, just the initial response here. And there'll be two things that we pull out of this. Uh, look at verse 12. And this is how God responds to like, who am I, right? And God said, I will be with you. Doesn't go into a whole diatribe about all the things, you know, Moses, this is who you are and this da, 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 da. Just, here's what you need to know, Moses. I will be with you. See, the first step of building real grit that will forge really strong faith in you and I is to begin shifting our view from this thing of like, I'm here in my little fishbowl and God's over there watching me. And he watches me because he's omnipresent. And he can just see me all around. To God is with me. That, just that lens becomes a really important beginning point. God says, Moses, I, I am with you in this. And friends, God is with you. Let that, let that just ring in your ears. Let that settle back and roll around in your mind. Let your soul absorb the truth of God is saying, this relationship thing we do that I invite you in, when I ask you to trust me in faith, I am with you in that. See, that is a different view, isn't it? Right? Uh, and, and, it, and it rolls out in a different way. Let, and let me start by illustrating it in this way. Because you, you see it 
the, the first change in it in this way. Um, how many of you have ever run in like uh, any sort of race, like 5K or a marathon or a half marathon? Okay. How many are bike races or anything like, okay, bunch of, yeah. So there's this thing that happens like in local races like that, right? You, you know, the race uh, starts, but before the race even starts, what gets lined up along the raceway oftentimes? There's all these people. There's like friends and family and they make goofy little posters and they get, you know, Sharpies and they decorate them and they stand out there in the cold and they have funny looks on their faces and they wait for you to come by and they shake their, you know, and it's because like, you know, they're for you. Like they're with you in this way and they're like cheering you on in this thing. And there's this thing that I want you to see that begins to, to, to change as we think about like when we're in that fishbowl, there's a part of this. We always think that like whoever's watching us or if it's God, it's like they're always far away. And it's like, and then we're supposed to go through this thing in some distance way out there. And there's this idea that God is saying, no, no, I'm with you. Like I'm right here. And God is like cheering them on. And like, I'm che- like, I am for you can do this. This is going to happen in this thing. And there's this beautiful thing that happens. And you know that like that, that racers and runners um, see those people in a way that is like with them and not like, you know, whatever. Because like you get to the end of the race, like in a marathon, like at mile like 26.1 and there's all those people doing that. It's not like the runners are just like, well, you bunch of hypocrites. You know, you're not even running a race and you're just like, get out of here. No, they're like, they look at them like, yes, you know how much I've worked and you let's just like, and there's just moments where it's this beautiful thing. But let me say this, that's just the first part. Because sometimes I think we think of like, okay, God's with me. Like he's this positive cheerleader. And there's something positive to it. But positivity, it doesn't capture this, right? Positivity is like, it is a wonderful thing. But God is more than a cheerleader in your life and my life. And I say this because positivity is never enough to forge like iron strength faith that is needed for life. It's good and we need it. But there's something more to this. See, God isn't just with you on the sidelines. He's in the race with you. This is his race too. He's running the race with you right? It's like some family member, you know, made that poster and they're like cheering you on, right? And then the starting gun goes off and it's like they hop off the sidelines and they literally run the race with you the whole way. That's the picture. The picture is like, you know, shift from a view that God is far off to, you know, now he's like right in the front of the fishbowl with a sign like, hey, I love you and I'm for you, right? You know, we love that. But now it's like, but God like gets in the fishbowl with you. Like if you want to play that analogy out, he's with you in this. And here's the beautiful thing about this. This is the thing that Moses is going to learn. This is the thing that Moses has got to doubt in this moment. And God goes, and I'm not going to take the time to go through all of this right now. Read the story on your, but it's this amazing thing where Moses, he's, he's still back at this thing about it kind of like, you know, woe is me. It's just, I'm all alone. You know, I'm going to have to go in and see Pharaoh all by myself. And I can't speak so good. And I can't do all this stuff. And he's powerful. And, and God's like, no, you don't understand. I'm going to 
to be with you. You're gonna, you know, and you know what Moses learns as he takes one little step of faith and then another step of faith and then another step of faith is that when he goes into the court of Pharaoh, God doesn't just cheer him onto the doorway and then send him in. God is right there in the court of Pharaoh with God or with Moses. When Moses is in the desert, God is in the desert. Moses learns that God is with them in the Red Sea. God is with them in the wilderness. God is there like when they're hungry and they can't find food. God is there with them um, when they uh, have to f- uh, fight battles. God is with, like, and all of a sudden it is this thing of understanding that God is with you begins to shift something in your mind that begins to build resiliency, friends, for the next challenge that you face. Because now if I carry this idea that to carry forward in what God's called me to, if I really believe he'll be with me, there's a strength that comes out of that that is maybe hard to put your finger on, but you feel it. That moment that you just feel this tall and it's like, okay, I'm gonna show up to work again. But if you know in your heart that God is with you, suddenly you find your way to get up that morning and you find your way to get ready. And it's just like, you may not like it. It may feel like a challenge, but if you know God is with you, you'll find the grit to be there. When there's that conversation, maybe it's a conversation that you've just dreaded. I bet, I bet Moses dreaded the idea of a conversation with Pharaoh. And maybe you're saying, you know, that conversation's nothing with the conversation I've got to have with one of my kids this week. <laughs> and you dread it because you don't want it to blow up and become a big, huge fight. And you don't want to, like, and you're just like, I, I want it to go well, but I don't know how to make it go well. But I just, but what if you knew God would be with you in that conversation? Maybe it's a conversation you've got to have with your spouse. And it's a hard one and you don't know how it's going to work out and, you, and there's fears attached with it. But if you know God is with you, see, it changes that sense of grit that you have that you can do this. And so here's, before I go on to the next point, I, I, I want to offer two tangible things to do to actually reinforce this so that it actually starts to become a lens by which you see God in life that begins forging that faith. So here, here are the two things that I want you to do this week. Just take some time this week. Um, and I want you to literally imagine that God is actually with you, okay? I want you to take a moment and just, I want you to, because so often we think of God as just kind of out there and some, but I want you to think of a moment, like just, sit and just go, okay, I'm going to imagine that God is actually with me right now. Maybe you're eating a meal and you just say, God is actually with me, sharing in this meal with me right now. Feels kind of strange, but I want to just, I want you to think about God actually being with you in that moment. I want you to think about a moment, maybe it just, maybe it's watching uh, movies with your family, or maybe it's just time with friends. Just say, okay, God's with me in this moment. Maybe it's a personal moment here, you know, and you just, it's just, I want you to think about that. And after you do that for a while, maybe for a few days or something, and just get in that space of God's with me. He's not out there watching me. 
then I want you to ask yourself this question and answer this question, right? And maybe take a moment or two and write it out or type it in your phone or whatever, but really answer this question. Here's the question. If I know God is with me, what would I do differently? Because I promise you, if in your mind, you really do hold, okay, if God is with me right now, what would I do differently? You would. You, you, you would find a boldness in moments. You might find a bold softness in that conversation. You might find that you're less threatened by something and that you can step forward in it. You might find that there's a moment that, you know what? I, I, can, I can make a mistake and it's not the end of the world. And I can go back to work. I can go back to those people. I can like, you'll find that there's a kind of strength that you will carry into the next challenge of your life. Maybe you've suffered loss and you're just like, I don't know how to move on from this loss. And all of a sudden, if God is with you, you will, you will find ways to make decisions to do that. Now, um, there's one more thing that I, that I want to point to that, sh- that helps shape this lens that we have of God that I think becomes really important that we see out of Moses' uh, story here. It's similar to the first one, but it's different enough that I, that I want to point it out. Um, and you, you first see it uh, like verbalized or written Uh, in the story of Moses once they get out of Egypt. So they break out of Egypt. They get out. And sure enough, right, they get out and it's like they don't really know which direction to go. They don't know how to survive on all of this stuff. Like what what are they going to do when they run out of food? Like they... You know, they're going to have to learn how to plant crops and they're going to like all of this stuff and, they, and they're trying to travel in the midst of this. How are they going to do this? Um, and there's this interesting thing that starts to unfold and you see it early on as they exit uh, uh, Egypt and, and it's phrased uh, in this way. Uh, it's by, by day the Lord, and here's the phrase, goes before them by a cloud. So literally God would say, okay, I know you don't know where to go. And for right now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go before you like a cloud and you're just going to follow that. And, and if you're traveling by night, he says, and God goes before them is like this pillar of light. And it's this idea that not only is God with you, but he's also, he also goes before you. And, and here's why that is important. Because there's always things, these things that we anticipate, that we think about, or the, even the things that surprise us as we journey forward in these difficulties. And there's something about understanding that when we get there, God's already been there. And when we are trying to find our way there, we can look to God to get there because God goes before us. Like, imagine, imagine what that was like for those Hebrews, for those Jews, and just feeling so lost. And yet, okay, God's going before us. We're just, we're going to keep our eye on God, and he goes before us in this. Um, It's interesting. Uh, uh, Moses takes this to heart in such a deep way that it is no longer the thing that God has to keep telling Moses, like at the very beginning of Moses' story here. By the time you get to the very end of Moses' life, it's like he has embodied this truth so deeply into his lens that, that he speaks it. In fact, there's a moment when he gets to the very end of like his 
ministry his life and he's getting ready to pass the mantle of leadership onto uh, Joshua that he says this. In fact, uh, if you flip to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 31, let me read this to you real quickly. This is, this is some of his last words to Joshua uh, as he hands off leadership to him. Uh, Deuteronomy 31 verse eight, the Lord himself, and this is Moses speaking, the Lord himself goes before you. Number one thing I want you to know, Joshua, the Lord himself goes before you and this sound familiar and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. But you know how you can uh, stave off fear and discouragement? You know why Moses can say, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged? Because he's saying, I want you to have a lens of knowing God is always before you. God is always with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. And I want you to think for a moment about this idea that God goes before you. What is it that you're facing? And what is it to think that like God's actually traveling that course, that race in front of you and is anticipating things. Um, years and years ago, I uh, ran a marathon. When I ran my first marathon, I trained for it. I thought I had it all figured out, you know, all the things. And I got, I don't know, uh, eight, nine miles into it. And I developed a blister and I had never really had problems with blisters until, you know, the first time I run a marathon and I got a blister on the ball of my foot uh, and I could feel it on there and it started getting bigger and bigger until the, the point that it was like uh, maybe almost twice the size of a silver dollar and kind of... Uh, uh, oval shaped across the ball of my foot. And I started changing my stride to, you know, keep from it getting worse. And then my legs started aching and then my hips started, you know, hurting. And then you're off on your time and then you're flustered and then the blister broke and then it really started hurting. And I could just, and then blood started like oozing up through my tennis shoe. And I'm just like, and I'm trying to grit it out. Right. But on the inside, I'm like, I don't know if I can make it like this. Is my legs just like killing me. And I'm just, and you know, and I've got all a long ways to still go. Like, you know, there's still like, you know, a little short of 20 miles left in this thing. And it's just like, oh, and my wife and some of our friends like drive by in a car, you know, and with their posters, like, hey, you know, how's it going? I'm like, I got a blister in my leg. And I'm just like, it's right. And they drive by, good luck. You know, I don't know what they said. They were probably way more empathetic than that. Um, but uh, a mile or two later, and I'm just like, oh man, I'm really like, I don't know if this, I'm going to finish this. A friend of mine, in fact, my, bro my brother-in-law, Kelly, um, is way up at an intersection on this race. And he's like, and I'm like, what's going on? And I'm, you know, he's got this first aid kit. And I later found out it was, so he was in the reserves for a while, did all this marching, had all these blisters. And he had his like military spec uh, first aid kit. And I come up and he's like, I heard about your blisters, you know, sit your butt down. You know, and I'm like, okay. And I sit down and I'm just like, and he grabs my foot, takes my shoe off, takes my sock off. And he's like, oh, we can fix this. This is gonna be and like, and he's like, he was way out in front of me. I was just like, where did you come from? How did you know? Like, it's just, I had all these questions. He's like, be quiet. And, just, and he starts going, and I'm like, thank you so much. And then he goes, this could hurt a little bit. Okay. Ah! You know, he's like, he 
he's peeling off all the skin. And I don't know for sure what he did, but it involved like mole skin and probably like some 20 second epoxy or something. But whatever he did and he bandaged up and he put my, you know, put my shoe back on and I laced it all back up. And all of a sudden it was like, I, like I can do this. That's just like, and took off and like got my stride back and everything. And there was something about the fact that he went, he anticipated what I needed. He went before me. And when I got to that place, he was there for me. And friends, that's the whole idea. When, when, when God says, I will go before you, it's like, I'm anticipating. I know what you're going to run into. I understand you don't know how to navigate all this stuff. I understand you're going to run out of food. And Moses begins to get to experience this. There's moments where they run out of food. And it's like, God's like, I know. And I've gone before you. And I'll take care of this. You just keep trusting me and you keep moving forward. And there's something about Moses as his lens begins to shift that I know God is with me and I know God goes before me. Moses goes from being a guy that hides out in Midian to one of the most formidable examples of faith in all of scripture, friends. That man had grit, but it started when he shifted his lens and he got out of a lens that put him in a fishbowl and he started viewing God in the world as God is with me and God goes before me. And what I wanna challenge you to do as you go through life, I want you to think about that. Shape your lens for God in that way. So intentionally, right? Do the thing about God is with me that I talked about before, but I want you to also do some things that intentionally shape a lens or a notion that God is going before you. So simply do this. When you, when you see that you're coming up on something difficult and you begin to anticipate some of the things that you're going to face, I want you to do this. Notice when God meets you with what you need. Notice the moment, and it doesn't mean that it won't be hard. It doesn't, you know, I had a huge blister on my foot by the time, you know, I ran into Kelly, right? Doesn't mean we don't go through hard things, but notice that God will give you what you need to get through them, because he will. And as he does, you will be forging grit that will be beautiful, and joy-giving, and sustaining, and making you strong. I go back to that conversation that I had with Roger on the phone. And um, he asked me the best question. I hated it at the time. Well, no, I liked the question. I hated his answer at the moment. Um, but I knew it was the right thing. He talked me through this thing, and I was just like, Roger, I just, this is not why I got into ministry. I didn't, this, this thing just feels like it's blowing up and I don't have control over it. Like, I don't know that I, do you remember, I'm brand new at this ministry thing. And this is like, and he's like, I know, I know. And then he asked me this question. Here's the question he asked. He says, Glenn, what do you want? And I knew like that. I said, I want to get out. I want to quit. Now, here's what you have to know. Here's the irony of this thing is for months before that conversation, he had been asking me to quit there to come and work for him here. I'd been, uh, been a, a pastor for a couple of years there. And he's like, come and join me here. And I was like, no, 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 not yet. Things are going great here. God wants it. I'm just, I like, I need to keep this thing going. Sorry, Roger. Sorry. And now like I hit a brick wall and it was, 
was crushing me. And he asked me, what do you want? And I wanted out. And you know what he told me? He said, you can't leave, Glenn. I'm like, <laughs> and he said, because you need to stay there for you. And that church needs you to stay there. And I trusted him. But you know why I trusted him? Because he had gone before me. I, I, like, I grew up under him. I, in that moment, I knew, I knew that what I was facing in that moment was just a fraction of what he had already faced in his own ministry. I knew that there wasn't anything I was facing that wasn't harder, more daunting, or more difficult than what he had already gone through and navigated. And when that man who I trusted said, you need to stay, I said, okay. And the reason I share that part of the story with you is because that his faith grew over those years. His grit grew. But you know the other beautiful thing in it? I think God loves to use us with one another in one another's lives. Like Roger used, God used Roger that night in my life that increased my faith in this, right? And you know what? As you cultivate a better lens, as you begin cultivating that lens of God is with me and God is, goes before me, I promise you, as you overcome those things and your faith grows, God's going to be, God's going to put you on the racetrack in front of somebody else. And it will be your words. It will be your story. It will be your experience that God uses to pull someone else through. And you know what they're going to see? They're going to see that God is with them. And they're going to see that God is for them. And they're going to see that God has gone before them. And sometimes the way God goes before us is through you and you and you and you. And I get to be the benefit and you get to be the benefit. See, so begin shifting that lens. Why don't you stand? I'm going to close this uh, in prayer. And as I do, I want to just say, if you are visiting, if you're a guest here, it is an absolute delight to have you here. Uh, hope that uh, God did something in your heart and soul uh, this Sunday. And uh, I'm going to be right over here. And if we've never had a chance to shake hands or meet, I would love uh, just to meet you here this morning. Let me pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, I just thank you for the, just the example that you gave uh, us in Moses. I thank you that you are a God that is with us and your care for us. And we thank you for that. And we pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. Have a great morning. See you next Sunday.